right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. Hello, my name is Alex Mason and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so thrilled to be here and just grateful that you're here ready to learn with me as we go through these concepts. We've been talking a lot about accounting lately, really digging into these accounting concepts, a little bit more niche concepts for you. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've already listened to all of the other basic level accounting episodes, Uh, but we're going to get into a fun topic today. And with that, today's question is, how do you project balance sheet items in a three-statement model? How do you project balance sheet items in a three-statement model? And you may be saying, whoa, hold up, Alex. What, what are we talking about here? What, what is this three-statement model? <laughs> well, we haven't talked about that yet here on the show, and here's a new concept that we can explore. Well, it's kind of like it sounds. It's a financial model that incorporates projections of the three financial statements for a company. So you can imagine if you pull up a 10K right now for an existing firm that's publicly traded, and you can go online and find that, it's going to have the three financial statements, your income statement, your cash flow statement, and your balance sheet. And for our purposes now, we'll exclude the statement of of stockholders' equity um, just because it's not as important in terms of what we're talking about now. But those are the three main statements, right? We talked about this ad nauseum over the past (laughs) couple hundred episodes. But that's historical data if you pull those filings. But what would it look like if you projected a company's financials and created the future income statement, the future balance sheet, and the future cash flow statement for business based on some assumptions that you believe to be true. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about projecting items into the future. Now that we understand that concept, let's say that we want to project out certain items on the balance sheet. And there are several items here I'm gonna name just as a reminder, accounts receivable. What is that? That's money that we expect to flow into the company for services that have already been given to customers. We've already performed the service, but we haven't gotten paid yet. That's accounts receivable. That's an asset. Deferred revenue is another one. Deferred revenue is a liability on the balance sheet. This is where the company's already gotten cash for something, but the revenue hasn't been earned yet. That is that let's say that someone paid a company up front, but the company hasn't actually given them the product yet. That's an example of deferred revenue. When the product is given to the customer, that's when the revenue is technically earned. So that's a liability. Next, you have accounts payable. This is kind of the opposite of accounts receivable. So instead of being an asset, like accounts receivable, accounts payable is a liability. And this is where cash is owed to another firm, but it hasn't been paid yet. And then there are a couple other items that are worth covering here. Depreciation, we talked about depreciation. Things wear out over time. Depreciation is a type of expense that corporations incur over time and it gets accumulated on the balance sheets as accumulated depreciation. And then there's capital expenditures, which is related to depreciation. 
when companies buy property, plant, and equipment. That's capital expenditures. So with all these items, how do we handle these in our projections? Let's say we're trying to come up with a brand new income statement, a brand new balance sheet, a brand new cash flow statement, and we wanna include these items. Well, if we include these items in the future on the balance sheet, how do we predict what numbers we should use? Well, the general rule of thumb that makes sense to me that I've read about is that we can just take most of these items and assume their value will be a percentage of revenue, percentage of revenue. And this is because these percentages in the case of many businesses will remain relatively constant from year to year. And some companies in their public filings will actually break this out as a percentage of revenue for many metrics. Uh, for example, let's say that we're talking about deferred revenue. We can look at that as a percentage of revenue and assume it to be constant between year one in our projection and year two in our projection. So that is, let's say that deferred revenue is 5% of our revenue in year one. And then the next year, revenue goes up by some percentage, X percentage. We'll also assume in year two that deferred revenue is still 5% of whatever the new revenue is. And so that's just a general rule of thumb that we can use for many of these types of items on the balance differences that are worth considering. If we're looking at something like accounts payable, accounts payable, remember we're talking about expenses here. So it might not make as much sense to compare this to revenue. We actually might compare this to our cost of goods sold. And the reason that we do this is because we can make that comparison because the two concepts are really related. Accounts payable relates to your expenses relating to usually buying inventory inventory ultimately turns into a cost of goods sold expense on the income statement. So that's why we can look at accounts payable as a percentage of cost of goods sold in our projections. Next, we can look at accrued expenses. We can assume accrued expenses to be a percentage of operating expenses or SGNA or selling general and administrative expenses. So expense, remember accrued expenses is when the company owes money that it knows that it has incurred an expense, but it hasn't actually paid the bill yet. And this relates to SGNA because, for example, payroll wages falls under selling general and administrative expenses. So let's say that you are a company, you've hired some people. You know you need to pay them. You owe them the money, but you haven't paid them yet. That would be a type of um, accrued expense and wages themselves are an SGNA expense. So we can look at accrued expenses as a percentage of SGNA, for example. And then thinking about depreciation or capital expenditures, we can just assume that that's a percentage of revenue too, or we could look at it as a percentage of property, plant, and equipment, which would make sense because if you buy a factory for a million dollars and your depreciation expense is, let's say, $100,000 per year or 10%, we could take that depreciation expense and say, okay, in year two, we're going to assume it's some kind of percentage of the, the value of the factory, percentage of a million or percentage of 900,000, whatever the case may be. 
But if you want to get fancy with this, you could just project out depreciation expenses for different assets specifically based on their specific depreciation schedules. So some assets may depreciate faster or slower than others. And you could go ahead and do that math yourself and then just account for that in your model when you plug in depreciation. So those are some things that you can do, some, some kind of idiosyncrasies with these different items. And I think just conceptually it makes sense because you're kind of comparing apples to apples. You're comparing your expenses to your other expenses, your other things related to revenue or assets with revenue. And yeah, depreciation with PP&E, CapEx with your PP&E, and that's how you can do it. So just a little introduction there to a three-statement model. Uh, hopefully one of these days I can actually like show you visually and and do do it myself, <laughs> attempt to do it myself and, and show you once I've learned a thing or two in that arena. But for now, just the concepts I think are important to understand too. And remember, the point of all of this is to come up with reasonable estimates for the future financials of a company. That's what we're trying to do. Come up with reasonable estimates using logical assumptions. And it always comes back to the assumptions that you make. So remember to think of good assumptions and defend your assumptions well. Okay, that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. I hope you're having an incredible day. I'll see you next time.